All right, so today we're continuing our, our new sermon series, Chosen. And uh, I want to start off talking about um, Michael Orr. So if you have seen The Blind Side or read the book by the same name, you know who Michael Orr is. Michael Orr is an offensive tackle in the NFL. He is a really, really, really big man. Uh, he's currently for the Carolina Panthers. Um, before that, he was with the Tennessee Titans. And before that, he won a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. If you go back before that, he went to the University of Mississippi and played football there. And it wouldn't it be a big shock for you to know that he went to the University of Mississippi if you knew that his parents also went to the University of Mississippi. And Ole Miss, as they call it, uh, you know, there's a real big football culture in the South, as I'm sure you're aware of, and they are as loyal as you guys are to the Patriots and the Red Sox. That's how they are to their colleges down South. They are loyal, loyal, loyal. And so it wouldn't surprise you to know that his parents went to Ole Miss and therefore he did too. However, his path to Ole Miss was unusual. In fact, it was so unusual that it drew the attention of the NCAA. Because Michael Orr's parents had adopted him when he was already in high school and already showing a lot of promise to make it in Division I football. And so the NCAA wanted to make sure that his parents had not adopted him simply for the fact that this stud football player would go to the University of Mississippi. But if you start looking at the story of his adoption, you realize that that would not be the case at all because when they first meet Michael, it doesn't look like Michael is going to make it out of high school, let alone have the grades to get into college. See, Michael was from a poor area of Memphis. Michael lived in public housing most of his life. His dad was in jail, his birth father was in jail, and his birth mother was addicted to crack cocaine. Michael, in the first nine years of school, went to 11 different schools. And so he struggled at all of them. There was no stability in his life. He was staying with a friend, one of many friends that he stayed with throughout his life. And this friend had started to go to a private Christian school in Memphis. And the dad of his friend thought it would be good for Michael to go there. And so Michael uh, was able to attend this private Christian school. And while there, a family took notice of him. Because he wasn't like everybody else there. It was clear that he didn't have money. He didn't have coats on cold days. His clothes were ill-fitting. And they saw him. And they started to take an interest in Michael. And they started to provide things like food and shelter and clothing for Michael. And then as their relationship grew, they came to adopt Michael into their family. They took him in as their own. 
And this family was the complete opposite of the family that Michael had grown up knowing. The family that adopted Michael owned 85 restaurants. 85 restaurants. This family was loaded. They had money. They had money to get Michael a tutor so that he could catch up on all those years of school that he missed. They had money for him to buy clothes and have a vehicle. And they made it so that Michael could go to college. So when he could, of course he wanted to go to Ole Miss. That was where his family, the family who loved him and took care of him and adopted him, had gone. And so he wanted to be like them. And from the outside looking in, when I see that, I'm like, man, I don't know if I could imagine a better adoption story. That is a great adoption story. The, the kid goes from living almost on the streets, basically, to living with a family who can provide for all his needs, to going to college on a Division I football scholarship, to being drafted in the first round of the NFL draft, to winning a Super Bowl. Like, that is a great adoption story. For a moment, I even catch myself going, is there a better one than that? But there is a better adoption story than that. And you, if your faith is in Jesus, you are part of a better adoption story than that. Because the gap between where you are and who adopted you is even greater than the gap between Michael and the Tuies who adopted him. And the cost of the adoption for you was greater than the cost of the adoption of Michael Orr. It was far beyond that. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Ephesians 1, 5. We're actually going to start at the very tail end of verse 4. Ephesians 1. In love, He, being God, predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. He predestined us in love to be adopted. You notice where that adoption starts? Because that's where I want to start. In love. In love. Before we worry about anything else, realize that God chooses people out of love. It is in love that the adoption process starts. God loves you. He predestines. Now that's a, a tough term to get into. And I really, I used to shrink back from that a lot. Because when I, I first came to faith in God, I didn't really see everything He had done beforehand leading up to that decision where I decided to put my faith in Him. All I saw was my decision. I said it was me. I finally saw the light and I placed my faith in God. But no, that's not actually the case. Have you ever heard of an adoption working that way? I haven't. Adoption starts with the parents deciding that they are going to adopt a child. And so it is with God in love. 
He predestined. Meaning from the beginning. Okay, from before the beginning. From eternity. He decided to choose people to be adopted into His family. And it all starts from love. In love, He predestines. Okay, so I don't want us to get hung up on that predestination part because people tend to and there gets to be a lot of arguments about what that looks like. I don't want us to get hung up there. I want us to realize that it all started out of God's love. And out of that love, He chooses to adopt people. Secondly, I want to talk about how is this adoption even possible? Because I just said the gap between us and God is far greater than any gap between any people on this earth. Even if you were to adopt some a, a child who had never seen a TV, had no running water, no electricity, no Wi-Fi, none of that, okay, the gap between us and God is far greater than any of that. So how is this adoption even possible? Well, it's possible through Jesus Christ. It's the only way this adoption is possible. Uh, if you would turn, uh, if you're in your Bibles, don't worry, we have it up here as well. But uh, to Galatians 4, so just a little bit before Ephesians, if you're, in the, if you're using a hard copy there, just a little bit before Ephesians. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. <clears throat> but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So it is only through Jesus that this adoption can occur. And uh, when we say adoption as sons, there's a, a reason for that. Um, <clears throat> and we're going to get a little bit, we're going to get to that later. But just know that it covers everybody. It's not just covering the men or the boys in this room. Okay? It, it, Ladies, you as well, all right? It, it covers you too. <clears throat> but it's only through Jesus that we can be adopted. It is only through His death and resurrection on the cross that our sins can be forgiven and we can be reconciled with God and become His children. That goes against what a lot of our culture tells you. They tend to think that, hey, we're all children of God. All of us, we're all children of God. But that's not actually true. We're not. We're certainly all created by God. That is true. But it is only those whose faith are in Je whose faith is in Jesus who receive adoption. It's only them. It's only those people whose faith is in Jesus who are welcomed into God's family. Now, so it starts with love. Okay, it's possible through Jesus, and it, it makes us like Jesus as well. Uh, if we, the next verse in Galatians four is is verse six. 
And it says this, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So this verse makes it very clear that our relationship with God is fundamentally changed when we are adopted. We receive the Holy Spirit when our faith is in Jesus. And because of that, we can cry out to God in the exact same way that Jesus did while He was on earth. That term, Abba, uh, it's an Aramaic term. And uh, it shows a close bond between a, a, a child and their father. Okay, um, there was kind of this movement of it for a while where it means daddy. It doesn't really mean daddy. Like that's not quite the right way of looking at it because an adult would use this term for their father. So I don't call my dad daddy anymore, and uh, sure most of you guys don't either. All right, and I don't think when Jesus was praying and crying out "Abba, Father," that he was, you know, daddy doesn't really fit there. Um, but it does show a really tight close, respectful bond. It's not too formal, but it's not a loose term either. It's kind of in between. Um, And because we are adopted and given the Spirit of the Son, the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, we can approach God just as Jesus did. I want that to really sink in for a minute. Because we are not Jesus. Jesus was perfect. Jesus lived His whole life sinlessly. Not once did He ever go against God the Father's will. Not once. And yet, we do. All the time. But because of Jesus... Because of his death on the cross, and it, because he calls us to faith, and when we respond in faith, because of that, we can approach God the same way. We can call out to him, Abba, Father. That familiarity is there. How different is that relationship from someone who doesn't know God? Or how different is that relationship after you came to faith in Jesus than before. Because beforehand, we tend to have many different views of God. And one of them is that we're always afraid that He's you know, going to punish us for doing the wrong thing. And that He's cold and maybe vindictive or, or things like that. But no, this totally changes that. When we are adopted into God's family, we have that close bond with Him where we can approach God in confidence as our Father. The closing of verse uh, of verse 5 tells us that we are adopted according to the purpose of His will. We are adopted according to the purpose of His will. Alright, so we're not adopted into God's family and then we get to just keep living however we want. Separate from the family. Like, if you are brought into a family, you're gonna live life 
with that family, according to the rules of that family. And so it is when we're brought into God's family, He has a purpose for us. And it's not just to live however we want. Romans chapter 8. Um, oh, sorry, Charlie, this is... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Poor Charlie. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie, for helping me out today. Uh, but anyway, uh, the whole chapter really expands on this. And it gives us a really good idea of what that looks like. What does it mean that he adopts us according to the purpose of his will? And one of the things it says is that he predestines us to be conformed to the image of his son. So Part of the reason he calls us is so that we become like his son, like Jesus. And it says so that Jesus will be the firstborn of many. The firstborn of many. So if you think about a family, like maybe they don't all look exactly the same physically, but a lot of times you know their family, right? All right, my, my brother and I, if you know my brother, he's a little taller than I am. He's got darker hair, darker skin. Some people don't see the resemblance. But as soon as we start talking, people go, those two are brothers. They talk the same. They have the same interests. They have the same weird sense of humor. They laugh the same. They do all these things the same. Like those two are definitely brothers. They act like each other. They... They are clearly family. Oh, it's the same way with God's children. We should be conformed to be like the firstborn, like Jesus, His only begotten Son. We should start to look like Him. Okay? And I don't mean in a weird cult-like way where we're all going to start like wearing robes and have the same hair and the same, you know, not like that. Not like that. No, we should all start acting like Jesus. Our actions should be like Him so that people see us and they go, you know what? That person looks and acts like Jesus. And if God was Jesus' Father, then He must be their Father as well. That is part of the reason. That is part of God's will for us in adopting us that we are conformed to the image of Jesus, that we love like He did, that we talk like He did, that we act like He did. Another purpose that God calls us to is to be heirs with His Son, Jesus. In other words, we get an inheritance. Like that is crazy. It blows my mind how amazing that is. God not only justifies us through great cost to who? Not to us, to Jesus, to God the Son. He justifies us. And then, not only that, that would have been great. If He'd stopped there, that would have been awesome. But He goes beyond that and He adopts us. And not only does He adopt us, but then He calls us to be heirs with Jesus. Really? That is amazing news. That is exciting news. And I don't even know what that is entirely going to look like. None of us do. But we get glimpses of it here and there. And it's really very, very 
exciting. Now, Charlie. <laughs> Sorry about it. <clears throat> All right. This is Romans 8. 15 through 17. And like I said, if you want to go home and read all of Romans 8, I highly recommend it because it's so much about what adoption in God's family looks like. But you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. There it is again. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. I don't want to just you know, give you the total sunshine view of everything and leave out to be adopted into God's family that part of His will for us is going to be suffering from time to time. Sometimes more often than not, it seems like. But I want you to know that that is a good thing. Because God doesn't just you know, put you through suffering for no reason. That's not a fatherly thing to do. God doesn't do that. No, God has a purpose to the suffering we go through. We don't even need to look any farther than the firstborn son to know that. We can look at Jesus. We can see that through the suffering He went through on the cross, that God does amazing things through suffering. This week, I warned you, Danny, so here it is. This week, Danny on the city posted a great, uh, a great post about how you know, we are going to go through times of trial. But through that, that's how God matures us. That is how God causes us to grow, to be more like Jesus. I want you to think about your life. When do you grow the most in your life? Is it when things are just going easy? Or is it when times get tough that you grow? and you mature, that your faith gets deeper. Because I know in my life, it's been the time when money is all but out. When there is not much rest in the house because of sickness and things of that nature, that it is times like those that I have gone through the most growth. I'm sure it is the same for you. Times of your life when it has been the biggest struggle, is when you have grown the most and you have become more like Jesus. Where you have looked more like you are a member of God's family. In fact, I would say if you are just floating through life and that there's nothing that has ever, you know, there's no struggle that you have ever gone through, I might actually be a little bit worried about that. Because the Scripture tells us that God disciplines those whom He loves. See, it's He does it out of love. Just like we started this whole thing off with God adopting out of love. The whole thing from start to finish is God acting in love towards us.
All right, so how do we respond to this? Because this is really, really, really good news. It's the best news you're going to hear ever. Really, it is. All right, and so the first thing that we should do in response to our adoption is to praise God, to sing, to worship, to glorify Him in all that we do. That should be our first response. And we're going to get a chance to do that, of course, here in a few minutes. Every week we do that because God has chosen us to love us, to bring us into His family. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. Yet He did it anyway. So we get to respond in praise and worship. Secondly, we get to spend time with our Heavenly Father. I encourage you to do that. You see Jesus, you read through His life, all the time He is getting away to a quiet place where He can pray, where He can be with God the Father. And we should be doing the same. We spend a lot of time with people. All, I mean, you're around people all day. Let's make time to spend with God, our Father, who adopted us, who saved us when we could not save ourselves, who gave us His very Spirit, the Holy Spirit He has given to us so that we have a direct line to Him. We can cry out to Him. Take advantage of that. We should also be encouraged during our times of trial. Be encouraged. Tough times are going to come. They're probably already here for some of you right now. Endure them. Work through them. Draw close to God in them. And have hope that on the other side of that, is a great reward, whether it is now or in heaven. Know that that is what God has for you. That is what He has for us as His children, whom He has adopted in love.